Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Podcasting. Podcasting from Sydney, Australia. This is the Prime Podcast. Independent, unfiltered, and uncensored. Beginning in three, two, one. Samir Bunga, how are you, man? Man, I am doing really well today. How are you? And happy birthday, I should say. Mate, thank you very much. Mate, is it, the older you get, the younger you get, isn't it? That's the way I've always taken it to be. Yeah, you know what? In saying that, I feel better now at 29 than what I did when, I'm tw- when I was 21. Physically, mentally, I'm sharper. Mate, so it's not all downhill. There is some positives that come that, out of it. But that, that's the thing. You grow, you grow in life, right? So even though you get older, I think a lot of us hit our peaks in late 20s, early 30s. Some might even be a little bit later than that. So in one end, you're getting older, but you're also hitting your peak mentally and physically for some of us too. Like I'm probably in better shape now than when I was when I was younger as well. So, mate, I think that's a good thing. So the older you get, the better in that case. Yeah, mate, better and wiser. Yeah, that's the one for most of us or yes. some of us. So, uh, mate, as I posted this uh, earlier this morning, that this is sort of the first emergency podcast I've done. Um, I think it's really important that we get this out as soon as possible uh, because, mate, there's a lot of people... Um, I see it in comment sections. I get messages. I'm sure you get messages. People have a million one questions as to what's going on. It's all new and unexplored uh, land that we're going through at the moment. So, mate, uh, tell me a little bit about what you do uh, and what you're doing at the moment in regards to what's going on in New South Wales. All right, guys. So, in short, I am the director and executive solicitor at Bunga Legal. And that's based in, we've got an office in the city itself, which I actually haven't been to for some time an office down in Oran Park, Camden Way, so southwest Sydney. And funnily enough, I actually am not too far from where Chris is right now. We're not too far from each other. But I started off in criminal law. As you get older, you kind of start doing more areas of law, started going into family. These days, discrimination laws become a huge part of what I do. Employment laws become a huge part of what I do. And I obviously enjoy criminal laws. There's something about it. So I've been in courtrooms, whether it's the local district, Supreme Court, uh, even, look, courts that are higher than that, Court of Criminal Appeal, et cetera. So I've been to a number of different courts as an advocate myself or sometimes with counsel, which is a barrister. Been Probably been around this for about eight to nine years, 10 years all up, but as a lawyer, eight or nine years. So I'm not one of, probably not the oldest lawyer around or definitely not the oldest lawyer around. But what I find is experience teaches you a lot. And one thing that I can say about criminal lawyers is we are in court a lot. We are in and out of court. A lot of criminal law is purely a court-based system as opposed to paperwork like some other areas, civil litigation, for example. So we learn on our feet and this is how we progress in our profession. But these days, man, as you can see, the Public Health Act, that's kind of a bit of everything, has a bit of criminal law in it, has a bit of, uh, you could even say civil procedure, administrative law, and a bunch of even constitutional law these days because some people are arguing that side as well. So that's how I am, where I am today. Yeah, awesome. Mate, let, let me make a statement. Solicitors, lawyers, mate, they're all known to dress well, wear suits. But, mate, I must say, you take that to the next level. Well, I appreciate that. It's just something about the flair, right? I think if you're going to – you may as well present well. So I do try and do it. Like I think some dude mentioned all my lives the other day about my tie knot. And I'm like, that's a custom tie knot I came up with myself. So I might not be creative in my writing. might not even be creative in the way I talk. But fuck, that's how I get it together. I do these custom tie knots and that's what I do. Look, I think one of the reasons for that is when you present well, it makes you feel better, your case runs better. And that's very important for you and your client, right? 
to be the best solicitor, you need to push the best case. And it's not just having the legal knowledge, it's being able to present that well. And if you're not dressed to a certain, like I'm not saying you have to be 10 out of 10 every day, but it does make a difference how you're dressed. Magistrates, judges, and other judicial officers see what you do and see how you look. And they may not take you seriously. You might be able to turn it around, but if you don't, then it changes things. They're going to look at you one way from the start. But there's just something about suits, man. One of the reasons I actually work out is so I fit better in the suit. As, as vain as that sounds, that's one of my main reasons for working out, I have to be honest. Mate, we all have different reasons for working out. And that makes sense. You fill a suit out, it looks better. Mate, it's, um, mate you, see, you see some you know, solicitors running you know, in court with their shirts untucked and just baggy pants yeah. on. Um, mate, it does make a huge difference the way you dress mate so it's not important but i thought i'd make that statement because <laughs> something mate to be honest is something that mate, you may see 50 to 100 even more um solicitor pages on instagram and and facebook but mate yours stands out just by your your, your fashion stance mate you're, you're a semi-model so mate, mate, good that, job, that's mate. It works being for a bit you. kind that's <laughs> being a bit kind there look if i ever fail in law or um they get me for something i'll just go into modeling i just change mate, career at least mate, give it a shot. Gucci would have a contract waiting for you, mate, I'm sure. Oh, no, this is this is just flattering at the moment, mate. I don't even know where to take this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate, so look, let's get into it. So, uh, man, yeah. you've had many, many conversations. We'll, well, we've made a few attempts to get this done. Um, but obviously, it needs to be discussed at the moment what's going on. So there's a number of topics regarding vaccine mandates for certain um field so you know child care workers uh, department of education primary and high school teachers um oh mate uh, health workers mental health workers disability support workers so a lot of people have questions in regards to the mandates and how that sort of fits into the law and whether it is a mandate is considered law or it's not so do you want to touch on that subject just a little bit look First thing is the mandates are made from the Public Health Act. So Public Health Act, effectively Section 7, gives the health minister or the minister power to make the particular mandate. Now, some people will argue it's not law, so you can't get in trouble for it. That's not the right way to look at it, unfortunately. I get the argument. I get where that's coming from. But even though it might not be a piece of legislation, it's still a mandate that's made based on the Public Health Act 2010 in New South Wales, at least. It's different in other states but they're all similar in the way they work. So the government or the New South Wales government, the health minister then, or the health minister works for the government, can then make a mandate which they think is necessary for people to abide by. And that's where the vaccine mandate, the five kilometre mandate comes from and all the other mandates such as not being able to see friends and family and stuff like that. If you're just looking at this purely at the stance that it's not legal because it's not legislation, that's not the right thing to do. And I've seen people do that and get into trouble with it. This by no means should infer that I like what they're saying or that I think the mandates haven't gone too far, so they're improportionate. However, you can't just look at it as, as it being illegal from the first place. You're going to get yourself in trouble. And if that was the case, then I would just go turn around and say, well, don't worry about it. next Monday, the 6th of September. It's not law. Go for gold. But you are risking a fine. You're risking not being able to go to work as it stands right now. Like the vaccine mandate. That, in my opinion, has gone well beyond the ambit of what the Public Health Act 2010 gives the New South Wales government. I do not think it's fair. I do think it can be deemed invalid if we challenge it properly, but we can't just look at it on the basis that it's illegal. 
I can't tell people that. And in my ethically speaking, I need to stop short of that. I understand there's some other constitutional arguments going around. And for example, one of the law firms today is going to be, well, they, I think they flagged that argument too. Once the court decides, boom, great. But until then, we can't say that. And it would be unethical. And in fact, I think it'd be improper of me to go down that path. However, clearly I will state, I don't think these mandates are fair. I think they have gone way too far. And I actually really like the words of a particular commentator when he said the cure is worse than the disease. So that to me is a huge problem, huge problem. Yeah, it's one of the, look, I, I get where people come from and, and people are frustrated. And as I was talking to you before, I said that people don't like doing what they're told to do. People would, if, if people are advised to do something, they're more likely to go along with it. Whereas if somebody says you have to do it, people rebel for whatever reason that is. Most people go, well, no, I'm not going to do that just because you told me to do that. So then they, you know, they find um, any bit of information they can get from Google or from Instagram or wherever it may be to reinforce their point and go, hold on, I don't have to wear a mask because I've got anxiety and anxiety should be a medical exemption. And they just go, that's all I need. And I've heard of many people going out without a mask on, being stopped, being telling, you know, I'm claustrophobia or I've got anxiety. It's not good enough. You can get exemptions for certain things like that if you go to the doctors or you fill out a statutory declaration form, but you can't just look at information on the internet because there's definitely some valid and good information on the internet, but there's a lot of bullshit, a lot of bullshit. And then that bullshit's not going to help you when you're confronted by, with the reality of a fine or, or worse. And you say, oh, officer, listen, I saw this on, on Pete Smith's Instagram page on you know the third of the third of August that he said I don't have to. It's not going to work. People need to get real about this. It's not. It 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 sucks. It's a shitty situation. But you know, there's no point. You're fighting against a monster. You're never going to win. You need to do. You need to keep yourself out of the shit. So that's why, as I said, this this podcast is about making sure that people are informed uh, from a legal point of view. Um, so, you know, they don't get fines, they don't get charged, you know, because at the moment you're seeing a lot of people copying fines, like hundreds of fines a day, every day, people getting charged and end up in front of a, you know, a magistrate for shit that maybe they thought that they could get away with, but it turns out they couldn't. So, if, so explain that so the Public Health uh, Act that's in now, so that overrides previous legislation, is that right? So it's... Yeah, so I can't remember what the old piece of legislation was but there was something similar in place before the public health act was passed in 2009 and funnily enough this is a point people need to realize there wasn't much outrage about this when it was passed it's only this is a few years ago so it would be 2021 but in 2009 not many people said anything that's why it's a public health act 2010 when it effectively became valid law at that point or law if we had have raised a similar issue back then maybe it could have been looked into but now the reason everyone's obviously raising an issue is because it's impacting all of us. Yeah. If you're in a 12 LGAs, it's worse. But if you're not, it's still pretty bad. You can't see your family, apparently. You can't do this. You can't do that. As you said, you have to wear a mask everywhere. Mm. So that is a huge impact on our life. And what did they say? The justification is there's a pandemic has been declared by the World Health Organization, and that's flowed down to Australia and other countries. So hence, we need to do this for everyone's well-being. Now, 
that's a whole different you know, topic to go down, but that's how they're using the Public Health Act and saying that's why we're now giving these mandates under Section 7 because of what happened, what's happening in the world and we need to protect everyone. And man, it's a bit of a farce, but you're spot on right. They're, that is a legislation they're using. Unfortunately, we have not tested that against the Biosecurity Act Commonwealth. I believe that's actually one of the arguments that the, the AFL solicitors is currently running right now. And they're also running the Section 5123 argument, I think it is, in terms of the vaccine. Yeah, 5123A. So that's fine, and that will be challenged. And if they succeed, then that's brilliant. The problem is I actually don't think they'll succeed against the Biosecurity Act, but I really hope they succeed on Section 5123A and go and saying it's inconsistent with what's happening uh, by constitutional law standards. And that would end the, the vaccine mandate at least. However, as you spot on said, this hasn't been tested. It hasn't been proven to be invalid or illegal. So for the time being, the government does have the power. It hasn't been stayed, as we call it in law. And as far as I understand, no injunction has been granted. An injunction is if they ask the court to say, look, whilst this hasn't been decided, we need to issue an injunction to stop that mandate whilst we're testing it, which would mean that when they go back next week, it, we, until they've actually been heard, no one has to be forced to be vaccinated or there's no mandatory vaccine mandate at that point. From my understanding, that hasn't been done. There's no injunction. So right now it is what it is. So I actually tried to correct a point that people were pushing earlier as well, or someone promoted earlier, that if you're in the LGAs of concern, you no longer have to get the vaccine to leave, even if you're an, uh, if you're an authorised worker. Unfortunately, nothing has changed there, in my opinion. I, had a, I was scrounging around, reading around to check, and I've looked at the act. I can't see anything that's changed. I'm not sure who put that out, but... It's not, I wish it was correct, man. That was correct. And all of us can take a sigh of relief and the people that are calling me about next Monday can sit back and chill for a little bit longer. But unfortunately mm. that hasn't changed. So we still need to be very, very careful about what we're doing. And as you said, for example, the mask, get a statutory declaration or speak to your doctor. Please don't tell the copper that the constitution says this or the Privacy Act says this. You may be right about the Privacy Act. And I'll tell you that. In fact, I think there's a good argument to be made but it needs to be made. This is why we're saying use NCAP. So let me, let me stop you there just very quickly. Mm. So when you said the Privacy Act in regards to masks in particular, are you referring to the Privacy Act that sort of the medical documentation being provided correct. to the police? Okay. Correct, okay. correct. Because I think it is absolutely ludicrous that we have to pull out our medical certificates and go to the police, here you go. Here you go, this is what it is. And at the bare minimum, they can argue you're not actually providing any medical diagnosis because you can probably say, I have an illness or an ailment that impacts me or stops me from wearing the mask, right? Mm -hmm. So that's another way you can phrase it. But I've heard coppers say that's not good enough. Mind you, police, I understand what you do. I get it. I respect police, but they're not medical officers. They're not health officers. They're mm -hmm. not doctors. They're not nurses. They shouldn't really be saying that. But yeah, spot on, man, what you just said. And that's where the Privacy Act could become an issue and I think needs to be tested. However, again, it hasn't been. And I'm, I'm actually not sure why people haven't gone to MCAT especially to do that when the powers are in Division 4 to test it. So we need to do something about it. Don't get me wrong, but the problem is it all costs money, man. Litigation is not cheap. 
Mm-hmm. Even the one we want to run isn't cheap. We're looking at something less than what the other lawyers want. So one law firm asked for a million. I think AFL is the same. They're asking for a similar amount. It's not cheap. Look, they're not lying to people when they say we need money. They do, they do need money because mm-hmm. these arguments, it takes barristers. I believe they have two barristers and two readers or maybe just four barristers on there. They need to be paid for their time. The law firm's obviously charging too. So even if we were to run a case and I turn around and go, look, we're not charging all at all. There's not, not every barrister is going to offer their time for free. And I can't force them to do that. So unless a barrister comes on board and says, hey, mate, I'm going to put my hand up. I'll help you for nothing. Then we might be able to reduce costs. But even then, you may need medical evidence. In fact, you will need medical evidence. So you have to pay that medical expert as well. Because don't forget, as you said, the government is bloody powerful, right? You're going as the big machine. So you effectively, as the person or as a litigant, needs to prove what the government is doing is invalid. Not, it's, it's, that's, theoretically, it might be different. But when you look at practice, that's basically what it comes down to. Pandemics here, they're doing it for the best interest. So you need to prove why that's invalid. It's like the reverse onus principle in criminal law, effectively. It might not be the same in theory, but in practice, that's what happens. And this is why people think the system is corrupt sometimes, too, because why should we have to do that? I don't think we should. But that's not the way it works in practice. And we need to remember, theoretically and in practice, two very different things. Yeah. That's a very important distinction that needs to be made. Yeah, absolutely. With So, look, I know, just going back to uh, the Privacy Act in regards to providing, uh, you know, a medical reason to police officers in order to, to not wear a mask. Now, the same, I think, can be said with employers. So, have you seen the vaccine exemption form? Where it's, it's look, I actually haven't, I haven't needed to cite it to be honest, so I haven't actually seen one. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll explain to you sort of what it is. Um, so I've got one as well uh, for my employer. So um, mm. I've, I've had the same thing put on me in the line of work that I do, but it's a New South Wales Health stamped document, um, and there's a few conditions on each. So it's got the Pfizer and it's got a few conditions, the side effects that are known to the Pfizer, and if it's contradict to an illness that you may have. And the same thing for the AstraZeneca. There's not a great deal. There's not a great deal of options to sort of tick off. It's quite limited. Um, it does say other, like gives does give you an opportunity to state sort of what you want. But so you have to provide that to your employer. Now, we all know when we're sick, whether we're genuinely sick or we chuck a sickie and we go to the doctors and get a medical certificate, you know, it, it's very um, brief. It just sort of says, you know, such and such is unfit for work due to a medical condition. And that's it. So when you give that to your employer, it's not an invasion of privacy. They have no idea whether you've got a broken thumb, you know, or you've got gastro. They don't know what's wrong with you. That is like something's wrong and you're unfit for work, right? So that's fine. But when you've got to give your employer who, A, isn't uh, a doctor and probably has no idea what, what condition you've ticked off, and has no idea what it means or what it does, and it's quite invasive, uh, to to an individual, I know I wouldn't like to share that information. If I if I had a condition, I wouldn't like to share that information with my uh, manager. It's quite uncomfortable and it sort of puts you in a weird uh, spot. But same thing applies. I really believe that's an invasion of privacy on, on the individual's uh, health. It should always be kept confidential. Now, obviously, with somebody who's contracted this virus, then I do believe it's not, ethically it's the right thing to do. Uh, to inform you know people around you that hey I've got the condition that's very different though because that's a contagious disease that can impact other people but you know if you can't get a vaccine because you've got myocarditis for example 
that shouldn't have to be disclosed to your employer. Spot on. I but, 100% agree with you. So I is, totally is, agree is, with what you're saying. Does that tie in? So does a privacy law, does that apply to that situation as well? Or does that change under workplace laws? Or how does that work in terms of? So look, they, all these acts can kind of work concurrently in certain situations, right? And they intertwine in little bits. Arguably, I am going to still say that I don't think that needs to be, it shouldn't be provided anyway. But the problem is, as you said, generally you do need to provide a medical certificate if you're sick for work and you can't come to work, they want to have some kind of proof. In this case, what they're saying is it's now in the, it's got to be a reasonable direction. Even them under the Fair Work Act, they have to be reasonable in what they do. So they're allowed to request certain bits of information. So they're, what they're saying is it's reasonable for us to know why you can't take the vaccine which I think is wrong, but that's what they're basically saying in a nutshell. And the government is basically saying, yeah, that's, that's fine. It's reasonable for you to ask for it. And that's why they've got this form with their stamp on it. They're saying you have to give this information. This would not have happened before. This wouldn't have happened with the flu shot, I don't think either. But when it comes to this, it's all of a sudden different. And again, the justification is going to be the same. Pandemic, everyone's in danger. This is for the greater good. You need to do it. Again, a mandate that needs to be tested. Powers that need to be tested, but that's individual in itself because there's a number of powers or mandates that are effective or directions, I should say, that are crap and, in my opinion, are not right and could be for. But that's what you're saying is a spot on issue, but that's how they will justify it by saying this is what the problem is. Uh, because we're in a pandemic right now, that allows us to ask for this. And when the government has mandated, that it's you need to have the vaccine, say, for example, if you're a healthcare worker, then it's very difficult for then for you to turn around and say, well, no, this is against this is against my rights under the Privacy Act or even under the Fair Work Act, because the employer can claim it's legitimate as it's a government direction, right? So that's how they get away with it. So at that point, it's not the employer's fault, it's the it's the government's fault. Because if they've said it, you need to argue with the government who's saying that we can ask for this, not us. Yeah, good luck. So that's how they get away with it. They pass the buck mm. and that's how they get away with it because they're not going to go, mate, not us. Speak to them. It's not our fault. But so well, that's the way people have to look at it. So, In terms of liability, so just say oh, you go and get the vaccine, um, your employer's giving you the option of either A, get the vaccine or B, you have no job. Um, you know, most of us, I'd say a large percentage of us are in a position where we need to work. We can't afford to have an extended period of time off work so a lot of and i know personally a lot of people who have been opposed to it i know people growing men that are that are scared of it and rightfully so it's very unknown and there's a lot of issues we're not going to we can't dispute that it's, it's out there the information's there there's a lot of issues associated with it um and and you know they're being forced now yes they didn't get pinned down and have it shoved into their deltoid but you know besides that they've been told listen you don't have to get it but if you don't get it you know, you can't feed your family. Really, it's up to you. Now, as a, as a you know, as a provider, you need to do those things to, to look after your family. So there's that issue that a lot of people who wouldn't have got it are being forced to get it um, by really coercion, manipulation of the of the situation. And that's they're sort of moved from industry to industry. So first it was healthcare workers, then it was a disability and mental health support workers. Then it was school, primary school teachers. Now it's uh, early childhood teachers. So they're moving industry by industry. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they're, all of those are large sectors. Like there's a lot of people employed in those areas. So 
they, 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 the vaccine uh, numbers that they are providing daily, you know, 100 plus thousand every day, uh, mate, that's believable because there's a lot of people that are doing it uh, for their employment. And I think that's, a, a, you know, well, from what I see, a lot of people's issues stem from that the vaccine mandates uh, for employment. Now, I know we've also got the issue of traveling in a state. You can't go to Queensland as an essential worker unless you've had, I think in Queensland, it's your first dose. And I believe in Western Australia, it's both I doses. Think right, yeah. So there's that issue. There's just a lot of uncertainty. And then you try and look forward. Obviously, we can't, well, we, we can see what's happening in terms of moving forward because we can see it overseas. Because overseas, the UK, the US, Israel, uh, UAE, all these countries are more advanced in terms of vaccination rates. They've been living with it longer. We can see what's happening there, and there's no, we're not special down here. In Australia, okay, Australia, yes, a special country is great, it's terrific, but we're no different to any other country. So we can use that to predict what's going to happen. So when they're saying that from September the 13th, we can all go to picnics with our families at parks and whatnot, if you've had both your, do, uh, both your jabs. But we know that having both doses does not protect you. It may protect you initially, but the evidence is showing that it wears off. And now in Israel, you're not considered fully vaccinated until you have your third dose. So what's going to happen? Are they going to grant these freedoms? And I don't like using the word freedoms because, you know, if you have, if you have freedom, you can't have it taken away and given it back to you at will. Freedom's freedom. But you know, in their words, to get our freedoms back on September 13th, we've got to do that. What's going to happen in three months from then when they go, oh shit, it's not working anymore. People are getting sick. People are going back into hospital systems again. Are they going to put us back in lockdown again? Are they going to mandate a third dose for every person who's had the vaccine? Which is exactly why we need to fight it and fight it hard. 100%, right? Look, I'm, I'm not going to say I know everything about medicine. In fact, I'm, I'm definitely not a doctor here. No. I'm not a nurse, nothing like that. I'm a solicitor, but a lot of my friends are and a mm. lot of people I'm in contact with are and we will go into APRA shortly because I think that's a very important point and how they crack down on medical health practitioners who don't say what they want them to say, which is also ludicrous in itself too. Mm. But that's right. You're spot on. They can do that. So they might open up now when we hit 70, 80%, just hypothetically, we do that in New South Wales. Then they find out, oh no, do you need a booster shot now or a third shot now? Sorry, guys, new mandate. You need the third shot by this date. Otherwise, you can't leave your homes anymore. Very possible right now. There's nothing stopping them right now, except us taking this to court and fighting that and saying, what you are doing is not valid power under the Public Health Act or under the Constitution, if you want to run that argument, and there's a couple of others. But we need to take action. And this is why it's important. The slippery slope argument is not one that I like running, but it's a fact. There is some factual basis to that. Yeah. Once they've taken, they started with one mandate, then went to the next one, then the next one. Masks weren't mandatory in New South Wales for a long time. Then they did become mandatory. There's arguments behind why it did, but they did. And then now it's out mandatory outdoors as well, not even just indoors, outdoors. Like, come on, people. A mask outdoors is ridiculous, in my opinion. Again, I'm not saying this is a medical professional, but I don't think I've spoken to one so far that says we should do it. Oh, sorry. One did say, look, if you're in a line at the coffee shop, maybe, and there's a bunch of people around, but not if you're at the park, not if I'm walking down the street with people who are like sparse. We're in Australia. We're not in India, for example, where it's dense. And I might, might understand potentially a little bit more. But this is the kind of stuff. And they, they gradually hit, hit at what you have. 
instead of freedom, let's call it liberty. They gradually hit at your liberties. And then we keep going down that track. And this is how we have the vaccine mandate. That's how we get to that. This is like that right far argument that's right down the other end. When they're telling you, you need to get a shot to leave your house. That's a freaking huge deal. And we need to rein these back. When you make mandates like that, it should be truly considered. There shouldn't be emergency mandates. I I can sit here and say I didn't like I don't I hate lockdown, right? I wanted to open up. I think it's wrong. I even think that's gone too far. But at least with the first lockdown, I think they had an argument that this is necessary, guys. We don't know what COVID is. Uh, it's dangerous. So this is why we need to do it. But now, a 16, 18 months later, we're nearly two years down the track and they're still doing it. That's not okay. And this is where their powers have gone too far. And they're just gradually taking more and more, doing more, and people are just accepting it. Well, I shouldn't say that. People aren't accepting it. But the fight hasn't been taken in the right avenue, I think. The protests show people aren't happy with it. Mm. And if you look at the second one, that was kind of uh, handled interestingly by the police. I'll give them some kudos. They did a good job. They stopped it going ahead. But if you legalise that protest and you actually allowed people to come, the numbers would be so dramatic that the government would feel shameful or shamed about it. And that's why they don't allow it. They need to crack down because they do not want people taking the streets and saying, we actually don't like what you're doing here, government. Why don't you explain better why you're doing what you're doing, taking our liberties away, ruining our mental health, and then telling us we need to get a vaccine forced, forced, otherwise we can't leave our houses if we're in these LGAs. Or as you said, if you're in those industries, your point was spot on, man. If people feel this is the right thing, they'll do it. They'll get mm. it. And I think if the government had done this properly and said, look, we have some vaccines now. We think you should take it because it's better for you. But look, we're going to leave that to you. It's your choice. It might have taken a little bit longer, but people, if they genuinely believe it's the right thing, they would have gotten it. Yeah. Because in the end, they will. People aren't idiots. And the government sometimes feels like they're treating us like idiots. Yeah. Well, they're making, they're making a bunch of educators. They're making decisions for us. Like there's no self-accountability. Like, oh, I need to get vaccine to, vaccinated to help myself. I've got to wear a mask to protect myself. You know, I can't do this and go there to protect myself. But I'm a grown man. It's common sense. I'm not going to go up to somebody and, and, you know, and hug them in the middle of a shopping center um, at the moment. That's common sense. Um, you know, and, but while we're on that topic, a bit, I want to make this very clear to everybody listening right now, what you're here is a great, you can explain a bit more detail. Um, we live in Australia is a democracy. Yes. We all know that. Um, it's one of the great things about this country is that we live in a democracy. Now, these protests now whether or not you agree or disagree with it people need to stop if you organize a protest or you incite a protest you are going to get fucked it's as simple as that you've seen it there's people a few people now that have been um you know charged with incitement and it's very important now i'm not on here saying that i look if in any in any democracy, I believe protesting is a, is a right in any democracy, but we are living in different times. There's a public health act in place. It's not a typical situation. So people need to stop because these people are going to get charged. They're going to get criminal records. Some of them are going to go to jail. Stop doing it. Well, one gentleman already has been sentenced to a term of imprisonment. So that's already happened. And look, I can confirm this for people. I've been in 
I know of people who have been charged, who are still getting charged from the first protest. Police are going through data that they've got. They're in fact, I believe even speaking to people who've already been arrested to get more data. I'm not saying anything illegal here. This is just how the cops do stuff. That's how they work. They will try and go through your social media records or whatever it may be to find particular people. And that's what they're doing. So there have been arrests made. I think there was one made last week, actually. It just hasn't necessarily hit the public yet. But there have been arrests made for people who are at the protest. There's been people charged with assaulting the police at the protest and a lot more. So don't think they've stopped. They're going about this. And the statute of limitations isn't going to stop it either. They can charge you in a couple of months if they want to. So look, it's, you've got to be safe about this. And Chris, you're right on that point, man. They're, they're definitely coming hard. And I can tell you, I I don't know the last time that I've seen a stronger movement by the police or by the prosecution in order to get people or bring people down when it comes to this type of stuff. It's really strong. I mean, even when it comes to pedophilia and child sex rings, I don't think they've put this much resource into that or this amount of money into that. I'd love to see this money go into that, to be honest with you, but that's yeah. not what's happening. They're obviously putting a lot into this and it's dangerous. It is dangerous. I think we need to not defund the police, never. We need to educate and we need to make sure the police are doing the right thing as well because as they say themselves, they're here to serve us. I have a lot of respect for the police force. I genuinely do. There's good cops, there's bad cops. Lawyers are the same. There's good lawyers, there's bad lawyers. It's every other profession. Yeah. So I spot on agree with you. And look, some of these police are just doing their job. They're, they're being told a certain way. And then imagine how hard it is when a cop is trying to tell someone, look, just move on, move on. We get it. And I've seen coppers do this too. Just move on. And then the person browse out the constitutional rights that they have and how they can't touch them and all this stuff. And then I think, you know what? That officer just told you to move on. I get your point. I understand why you're there. Like, I get all that. But all that officer said was move on. Then you didn't go. You failed to adhere to a move on direction. And then they've taken action. Not to say that there hasn't been some brutality. There definitely has. Mm. And there's also a good video that Marty Fokker put out that shows certain events that transpired where the police have basically apparently spoken about how they're charged and how the charges will be thrown out. A lot of the charges are getting thrown out because the evidence isn't strong enough. Remember, in a criminal prosecution, the prosecutor has, or they bear the onus of proving beyond reasonable doubt that you're guilty. Let me give you the masked example. If I have a coffee in my hands and I don't have the mask on, the mandate basically says you can remove it temporarily to drink. So that's why they can't charge you. They might charge you because some police might not like it and gosh, that's their problem. I don't know why they would, but they may. And that's why I got a few calls last week. But then once you finish that coffee, there's no coffee cup in your hand anymore. You now have to, as soon as practicable, put your mask back on. So if you no longer have a mask anymore and they see you and they find you, the argument's a little bit different, right? So circumstances matter. And then don't forget, sometimes the prosecution just won't want to go through with it because is it necessary to hammer everybody? No, they might decide they're going to select a few people to use as general or specific deterrents instead of everyone. So you're spot on. Right? And just one more thing when it comes to the mandate, right? When we're talking about how this the power ever reaches come. When the government has put certain mandates in, look at this. Why they've mandated healthcare workers, which includes doctors and professional specialists in this field. If these specialists genuinely believe in it, why are they mandating that they have to have the vaccine? Can't these guys, women, men, decide for themselves when they do this for a living 
and they're seeing the ramifications, something has to, like, we've got to think about that critically for a second. Yeah, and, mate, what I'd like to see, and I think a, a lot of people would agree, is that when these help, when these mandates are put in place, so, for example, I've, I've read uh, the, the updated uh, health order uh, when they made uh, out, uh, masks outdoors mandatory. Now, these are signed off by uh, Brad Hazard, who he's not a doctor. He's a, he's a school teacher, and I think he was a lawyer as well. Um, that's no disrespect to you, mate, but same thing, mate. You're no, not no, a no, doctor. I get it. I get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're, you're, you're not a doctor. Um, so, uh, you know, okay, so he signed off on it. Fine. I get that's his job as a minister. He signs off on things. That's his job. But where is he getting the information from to sign off on such a – it's like – it's to tell a human being they have to wear a mask outdoors is uh, look in my opinion it's a violation of human rights uh, in certain uh, situations at shopping centers restaurants okay it's a little bit different but mate if someone's sitting at a park and they're the only person in a you know 200 square meter you know uh, radius uh, who are they going to catch it by well, the trees the plants that they're not going to catch it right they're not going to give it to anything anybody or anything so when someone's signing off on such a powerful mandate, I would like to see some evidence, even a link to a study or something that shows it's necessary for this reason. Then the public can click on it and go, oh, shit, you know what? Makes sense. Because from what I'm seeing and the people I've spoken well, to, you're calling doctor. for transparency. That's all. That's, I, I think a lot of people are calling for transparency. That's all yeah. the public wants. And Look, I'm not a doctor, but I speak just like yourself. I speak to doctors. I speak to uh, you know professors. Of, I speak to a range of people um, on various issues, and not a single one of them has. When I told them that masks are mandatory outdoors, I, I don't think there's one of them that didn't laugh at that at the, that, that idea because to them, it's, I'm not a professional. They are. They laugh at it. They say it's ridiculous, and there's no evidence from the government they're not providing the evidence for us to say no you're wrong and the government were right because of this you know uh, document or, or study or whatever it may be that they've provided us they're providing nothing they're just signing off on these every every second or third day at the moment um it's calmed down a little bit now which is nice but a few weeks ago every second or third day and it's like why are you doing it where's the evidence to to, to prove to us we deserve that we deserve the right to know why we're being restricted in these ways. I could not agree more. We need transparency. And what you're describing is transparency. They need to be open about what they're doing and why they're doing it. Why is the government not transparent? And why does the goalposts change? Why were we told there was no curfew? No curfew. Then there is a curfew. That TikTok video, whoever did it, amazing. Good job. But this <laughs> is the issue. TikTok's an interesting topic for everyone. But it will <laughs> look... There, we need to, this has to be transparent. Let's look at it this way. You are taking people's liberties away. And yes, I'm going to say liberty and freedom. You are now effectively putting a bunch of people on house arrest. In a sense, you have bail conditions in a way. You can't leave the house unless this, this, and this. That's how bail works. That's yeah. imagine getting charged. So you're basically everyone, you're all sick. You're all dangerous people. So these are your bail conditions. You can go, you're, you're allowed to go to the shops at this point. If you wear a mask, come on. So show us where this is coming from. You, she, Dr. Hazard, not Dr. Brad Hazard is going to say, Dr. Chant has given him the, I'm guessing, part of the direction and why to make it. And I'm guessing she's also going to get it from a policy-making board that hopefully has 
professionals on it that are actually adept at this and like they're not inept at doing what they're doing. But you're right. Show us where, where it is comes it? from. Where is it? Sit down and go, all right, this is the reason. Maybe, maybe this study that you've actually used is wrong. And that's probably the other reason, right? Maybe they don't actually have it. And mm. then they don't want to show what they don't have. Because imagine subpoenaing someone. They're like, well, you're subpoenaing nothing. It doesn't exist. It doesn't yeah. exist. Well, I'm going to show you. You can't, this kind of stuff, when we're actually clamping down, and I agree, a lot of what's happening is a violation of human rights. I genuinely believe that. When they're doing this, they should bear the onus of proving everything that they are doing, not just that the World Health Organization has declared a pandemic, not just that it's a state of emergency. Why is it a state of emergency? Why does this state of emergency require these mandates and why are these mandates effective and what are they actually going to achieve? This is the evidence we looked at. This is a policy booklet that we've used. Here you go, New South Wales or Victoria, whatever state you're in. There's your policy booklet. This is where everything is in. This is why we've done what we've done. And you know what? Me and you will go through and look at it and go, okay, you know what? We, they might actually have a point here. We better back down. But when they don't mm. show you that, it's an issue. And we need to think about it. This is the first time in my life, well, and, and even as a solicitor, that I've seen so many people interested in legislation. People no. didn't even know what legislation was before. And now all of a sudden, everyone's on the Public Health Act. Everyone's on the Privacy Act. Everyone's reading up the Constitution. I think that's great because people are starting to understand what's going on. Yeah. But we want to know this too. Give it to us. People are obviously now more enthralled and intrigued about what's going on. It doesn't matter which side you sit on. You need to know that the powers being exercised by the government are valid, not just because they said so. Sometimes mum and dad tell you that things are wrong, but why? They probably should explain why they're wrong. You can't, you can't speak to, I don't know, A, B or C at school. But why? What has this person done? Well, you know just what? because they're from a bad family. Yeah, but that's an important part of, of, of educating. Um, it's yeah, it's relevant. With your children, if, if you say, listen, you can't hang out with Joe from school, why? Mm. Just don't just listen to me. I'm your father. Do as I say, or you sit in the corner and fucking don't say anything for half an hour. That's one way to approach it. But instead of going down that path, say, you know what? Because Joe's, um, you know, he does the wrong things. He maybe he smokes cigarettes or he's got a foul mouth on him or he's just not a nice kid. He's a little shit. You know, so, yeah. okay, that's why you don't talk to Joe. And kids, kids respond and go, oh, okay. And they get it. Now, if I'd like to think the majority of us are reasonable people. So if the government say you can't wear masks, or you have to wear masks outdoors, right? Had a bit of a tongue twister then. And, and they say, but this is why you have to wear masks outdoors. And we read that as a public and go, oh, this study suggested that, you know, 20 out of 24 cases at this park were transmitted because no one would wear a mask. Oh, shit. Okay. People are going to understand and go, yeah, it makes sense. And most people are reasonable and they'll go along with it. But when we're being told we act on the best health advice uh, from the best doctors and they say this is the right thing to do, so we're signing off a mandatory mask outdoors, it's the best health advice. Where the fuck is the health advice? Where is it? Is it where is it? Are they getting it from? Is it in a, on a cave wall somewhere? Where is it? Is, is it? They're not providing it. And that's a lot no, of the problem. And the, best they can do, the best they can do is say the World Health Organization said this. Well, why did they say that? And why did you believe it? Just because they said it isn't enough, you need to tell your people why you're going to enforce this. The World Health Organization also state on their website, I don't have a still there. Everyone can jump on and take a look. But this was in July, so about six weeks ago, maybe. 
uh, they stated that uh, in regards to PCR tests, PCR tests are to be used if somebody is a suspected case or has symptoms or has been in close contact with somebody who is a positive case. Uh, they do not uh, recommend testing people that have no symptoms, have no reason, or haven't come close to anybody with the virus. So people like you and I, who are obviously quite healthy at the moment, we're not coughing, we're not sick, we haven't been around anybody who's got the virus. Why are we getting tested? Why are they saying you need to get tested every third day if you live in this LGA? If we're not sick and we haven't been around people that are sick, all it's going to do is cost money and generate false positives. That's it. So it's things like that. If they want to act on the best health advice and they want to quote recommendations from the World Health Organization, well, the World Health Organization advises against the testing of healthy individuals. So it's like they're picking and choosing where they get their information from to enforce these mandates. And that's another problem. That's a good point. It's uh, at that point, they want to use what they want to use and the rest of it's like, oh, no, no, they just pretend that doesn't yeah. exist. And look, arguably it's to kind of scare people, right? The mask scares people. So when everyone's wearing a mask everywhere, you basically automatically think that person must be sick if they're wearing one. When we, when we didn't have the mandatory mask mandate, and I'm talking about during the peak of COVID, everyone's freaked out about it. People weren't wearing masks. I had maybe, well, I don't know, this is going to be a very small percentage, maybe a couple of percent, 5% of people might have been wearing a mask at that point. But still, so why did they mandate it? Because people weren't doing it, because people actually didn't feel it was necessary. And one can always argue or at least point the down direction that, hey, maybe they're just trying to get people scared and go, this is a serious thing. You need to take this more seriously and you need to wear a mask. And everyone needs to remember that this is a pandemic still. And that's not the right reason for doing it. Do it because it works or do mm. it because you're actually protecting people. Look, I'm sure there'll be people on the other side saying that's why they do it. But as you said, man, I don't think I'm seeing any evidence that backs that. And it needs to, in my opinion, be evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. Because wearing masks, from what I understand of the medical professionals I speak to, could cause other respiratory conditions and issues later on, especially when you're wearing it for a bloody long time. And you're working, if you're working in a shopping center, like I go to one of my mate's cafes, he has to wear it all day, all day. So is that healthy for him to wear a mask that covers his breathing all day? Because someone's got to tell me that... It, that it, well, tell me, is it wrong? Is it right? Like, is it not well, going to have issues for him in the future? It, it's a blanket rule. So they're, they're putting everything, they're, they're blanketing everything in the same category. So for example, um, I spent a little bit of time, not personally, but as a support person, uh, you know, the situation, I won't go into it uh, on here, but while I was in and out of the hospital visiting and whatnot, and I spoke to quite a few nurses there and doctors. I mean, they've got to wear it, obviously, for most of their shifts are, I think, 12 hours or roundabout. Yeah, they're yeah. long periods of time. Mate, nearly every single one of them I spoke to, it was just a general question. Or how do you go wearing it? Because I don't know what they've got there, but I had to borrow one of their masks one day because my one was all sweaty and stunk. I'm like, I don't want to wear it. Yeah, so I've, I've got one of their ones and fuck, I'm telling you, you think these ones, the surgical masks are bad. But you want to wear what they wear in the hospitals. It's like a double layer. It's got like one there and one go. It's brutal. I said, how do you do it? And they're like, every day we have headaches. Um, we have blocked, wow. we have problems with our sinuses. We get sore eyes. Um, we have trouble swallowing, like it's bad. Now, if everyone, to enter certain parts of the hospital, well, yeah, everybody has to get a test to prove whether they're positive or negative. The people that these nurses are seeing haven't got the virus. They've been tested and come back negative. Otherwise, they'd be in an isolation, a COVID isolation. Mm. So they haven't even got COVID. So why are these nurses, and the nurses get tested daily, from my understanding. 
So why are they wearing a mask inside a hospital when there's no one in that particular ward that has the virus? You can't blanket rule these things. It doesn't work. No, I could not agree with you more. Look, I actually hadn't heard those stories directly. I haven't asked that question. It's a bloody good question. How do they do it? And the fact that they're having reactions from it, adverse reaction if you're getting a headache from wearing a mask yeah. all day, Come on, guys, we need to investigate that a bit more. Are we doing the right thing to our own medical professionals who are there on the front line trying to help us? I don't think so. This oh, look, this is going to bring up an important point for me, and I think people need to know. APRA is the organisation or the body that basically regulates doctors, nurses, and some other psychologists, et cetera, as well. APRA has a lot of power, a lot of power. They can investigate doctors or any other practitioner without actually telling them they're being investigated. Does that include nurses? Nurses, midwives, yeah, or is it just doctors? No, no, nurses and midwives as well. I actually have a nurse who reached out to me the other day who was investigated by APRA as well because of something she posted on social media. So interesting how her personal life, these are doctors' personal lives. You post something on social media, someone complains about you, whether it's another doctor or whether it's a patient or someone that just sees it, doesn't like it, and then APRA comes at you. What are you doing? APRA has a strict policy effectively stating or inferring that you can't publish anything that's not supporting the vaccine, for example, or lockdowns or the way they work. So when these people come out, it doesn't matter which medical profession they're in or which type of worker they are, they are brave people. And I really want people to understand how APRA works, the legislation, the policies, and how they can come down on people. And these doctors, these doctors want to speak out. A lot of them do. There are doctors that are scared to give an exemption because they're like, if we don't do this right, we're going to get investigated. Mm. How is that okay? It makes absolutely zero sense. And this is happening in our world right now. Just fucking, let me take it back. It's happening in our state and country. So our, we're saying to people, you should be able to speak, you know, at least have a voice. You don't like the Labour Party, say that. You don't like the Liberal Party, say that. Right now, you don't like the vaccine and you, you're, you're as good as you need to be shot, basically. Like, what are we doing here? I don't care what position anyone takes. You should be able to speak about it. And when you're in the medical profession and you're effectively issued a gag order, that to me is a disgusting piece of policy that needs to change. And people really need to look into APRA. I encourage everyone, look into APRA. It's dangerous. It's not doing our doctors, our nurses, our midwives, our psychologists any justice. Our psychologists that I speak to are concerned about what lockdown is doing to people and their mental health. Some of us are doing better than others and we're lucky. Others are not. People's businesses are suffering. We need to look at this situation. And, man, I never would have thought in Australia we'd be in this situation, but we are. And I don't care what's happening. Like, there's stuff happening all over the world. I get it. It's, we have certain things that are good for us and that we've got, I guess, more privileges in some way. But when you can't afford to feed your family, when you can't afford to actually pay your mortgage, that's just as bad as not being able to feed yourself in another country. What's the difference? In fact, it probably hurts you more because you've never been in that situation. And I don't think it's fair when people disparage these people either. And that affects me because I just don't get it. I don't get it. I'm here to support anyone's rights in no matter what country they're in. And I do not like Australians telling our own people that this is not okay, that you shouldn't be complaining or you shouldn't be talking about this. Everyone should be talking about this, whether it's pro or not, that's fine. If you think lockdown's great, fine. That's your prerogative to think that. I don't think lockdown's great. That's my prerogative. And I'm too, it's the same with you. So we should be allowed to speak about this. If you don't like it, don't listen. Or tell us we're wrong, that's fine. We'll, we'll live with that. But this mm. is our opinion that we're offering. And I think people need to get over that too. 
Yeah. Now, one issue I will get you to clarify. So the Constitution is a federal document. That's correct? Yeah. So look, the Constitution is the basis of all the laws that we have. The Constitution is at the top. The Constitution gives the federal, the Commonwealth, the ability to make powers. And then the New South Wales, also the other states, the ability to make powers. So the Constitution is what brought us all together, federation. And now it is an act as well, don't get me wrong. But the way to look at it is it sits up the top and it allows the federal government and the states to make powers, to make different legislation, as long as it doesn't uh, basically interwine. So the state then shouldn't make a power or make an act that will a piece of legislation that goes over the top of federal government because that won't work. However, there's obviously a lot of distinguishing that needs to be done in that. So that's what I was going to ask you. So to my understanding, uh, the constitution is is one thing and you've got uh, state laws that are a different thing. Now, uh, from what I've heard, I said you're much more qualified to speak on this than what I am. But to my understanding, if if a state law is in contradiction to the constitution, the constitution takes precedence over the state law so in the constitution as we know it states that you're not to be in short be forced to have a medical procedure which would be this vaccination but yet the state laws under the public health orders are saying that you have to have it for certain injuries uh, injuries sorry for certain uh, industries workplaces uh, things of that nature so how how is this going through because it is in contradiction of, of the constitution so how are they pushing it through the way they are so that's what needs to be proven, though. This goes back to what we were talking about before. It hasn't been proven to be in contradiction with the Act. So the part of the Constitution that people are relying on in saying that is Section 5123A, yeah. which is the particular section that people are going to. The case law, basically, there's obita, and obita means that a dissenting judge or a judge that didn't agree with the other judges effectively said something, and that judge has basically inferred or said that this is not correct. You can't force anyone to undergo this. The cases at the moment are very specific. They're in relation to certain procedures and certain people. They're not as a broad on a broad spectrum. This is why it's being tested and needs to be tested. I think there's a genuine argument there to be made and that needs to be made. But at this point, it hasn't been deemed to be invalid because right now we cannot sit here and say, it is totally, it's totally inconsistent or it actually impinges on the constitution or the federal law, I should say, because I get where that's coming from, but we haven't proven it. And that's what basically AFL lawyers are effectively running court at the moment. And that's what they're trying to do. That's a long argument. So that's in the Supreme, was in the Supreme Court today. They have a directions hearing next Wednesday at that directions hearing. They'll basically be told when the real hearing will occur, the witnesses who will be required, stuff like that. That could take a month, maybe a few weeks. If we're really lucky, it might even be longer. Don't forget, Supreme Court is going to be very, very unlikely to decide positively on an issue like this of constitution. If they do, that will I'll be the happiest person who's ever been proven wrong. But they're probably not. It's probably, and even if they do, the government is going to appeal it to the High Court. So either way, this is going to the High Court at some point. But hopefully if we AFL lawyers succeed, and I say we because we're all in this together and kudos to them for doing it. And please, look, I wish them all the best because this helps every person all over Australia. However, we have to be aware that the argument is yet to be tested. It's going to run. I hope it's effective. 
But even if it is, it'll go to the high court. If it's not, it'll go to the high court. When's that going to happen? This law is slow. Hopefully we get it expediated based on the urgency. And as you said, the mandate that is in position now because it impacts a lot of us. But that could take them a couple of months still. And that's the issue that we have. So the other thing to be aware of when it comes to inconsistencies are, it's if you have a piece of legislation that has one part, so one section that is inconsistent, that section is invalid, not the whole act. And this is why I said the Public Health Act, in my opinion, is not invalid. Now, Section 8 of the Biosecurity Act effectively says that it can run in tandem with other states. So people don't forget that, but people forget that part. Like, I'm not making this up. If you read Section 8, it actually says that. I just have to open it up. So Section 8 is, says, the Biosecurity Act, concurrent operation of state and territory laws. This act does not exclude or limit the operation of a state or territory law that is capable of operating concurrently with this act. So if it's not, if there is something that actually goes on top of it, yes, invalid. But even that, man, we need to prove it first. We need to go take it to court and say, this is invalid. The court will say, okay, yes, it is. Done. And if we can do that here, done. Great. But this, it's taken a while, obviously. And this is why I really want to apologize to the people that had to get the vaccine already because they were going to lose their jobs. As me and Chris discussed this offline before, if you're in that position and you need to feed your family, you need to pay your mortgage, you have to do what you have to do. And my heart goes out to these people because we didn't do this quick enough as lawyers. We didn't get it up enough. And it's only just been filed the other day, yes, two days ago, whatever it was. I wish something was done earlier. And quite frankly, I'm a bit gutted that I didn't get on this earlier myself. I was hoping someone did it. There was a number of law firms put their hand up and it didn't happen. But to hopefully we can at least sort it out to the people that haven't had to do it yet. And so they're not forced and coerced into getting a vaccine that they don't want. And to the people that want it, that's fine. We're not telling you not to get it. None yeah. of us are. I have family members of friends that are vaccinated. I have family members of friends that are not. I'm not telling either to do either. I don't have that qualification. And if I think I don't want it, just do it. But don't stop other people making a decision for themselves. They're not idiots. I genuinely hope all the best to AFL and even G&B lawyers and the Tux lawyers. There's a few of them that are trying, right? I want everyone to, to succeed. And what we need to understand, people, is there's a number of ways to target this mandate or this particular piece of legislation. So what we're doing and what we started the other day, I didn't want to get in, put my hat in the ring. People are already short of money. I don't want to say, hey, donate to another person. now. But I had a couple of, a couple of people call me. And they were crying. They were saying, look, next Monday, this starts. We have to do it. We can't not do it because we can't pay the mortgage. We can't feed our family. One lady in particular, her husband can't work because he's got a disability. So she needs to work. So she's like, look, I have to get the vaccine. So what am I going to tell her? Hold the line. Hold the line. How is she mm. going to feed her family after that? I can't do that ethically. So this is why I started what I, I did. And this is why I'm looking at NCAT. And I'm open about this. I want to be transparent. There is a power in NCAT under Division 4 to challenge a mandate and to see how a mandate works. So this is what we're doing. The only reason for us doing this is because it's quicker to get it in NCAT. NCAT's a lower jurisdiction, and that's the reason we decided to go there. And if you have a look at the Public Health Act and you look at Division 4, uh, Section 60 to about Section 65, it gives you the ability, it gives NCAT the ability to review and test the power. And that's what we're hoping gets us across the line in the short term. 
in the long term, AFL does their job and wins it and the whole country is cool. Like that's a very short way of phrasing it, but that's what we want. If we mm. can stop it for next week and the week after to stop this bloody discrimination that's going on, that's what we want. AFL does their job and even if they need till the end of the year or till October, they hammer it out, win on the constitutional basis or whatever other arguments they're going to run. And look, then we're all in the clear. Then we can at least take a sigh of relief and go, shit, I didn't have to get that vaccine if I didn't want to. Or my brother or my sister or my mum or my dad or my bloody friend didn't have to do it. I know people who are vaccinated that say, man, look, we don't. if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Hmm. Like to their friends, right? And that's the position we should be in. And I don't want to go into the... Uh, the side of how the vaccine works. I think the doctor should do that. And I think you've already done that with Dr. Peter McCullough anyway, I believe. So yeah. I don't need people can listen to that and see how it works. But arguably, if someone's vaccinated and the other person's not, well, you're not really increasing doing any issues or risk. You're not causing any risk to the person that's vaccinated. So mm. why should you discriminate against these people? It doesn't make sense. No, it just think, doesn't make sense. I think it's the first time, well, that, you know, in, in my time here that I've seen, anything like this over like the flu shots a big one man people get a flu shot you know um, when i was a kid i was raised that if you get the flu big deal lay in bed have some soup drink some water you will find a few days and get on with it um don't cry about it that was sort of what i was taught growing up um now obviously a lot more people now get the flu shot um and that's fine no problem if people want to get a flu shot i don't has nothing to do with me if I want to get a, that has to, you shouldn't tell people they can or they should or shouldn't get this vaccine or this treatment. It's got nothing to do with you as an individual, what anybody else does. Nothing. This whole argument of protecting others, do it to protect your fellow Australian, it's bullshit. We know that. Kerry Chad yesterday did in fact admit that the, the mo when the majority of the population is vaccinated, the cases are going to be again amongst the vaccinated. We know that it spreads amongst them. The idea is to give it to vulnerable people, elderly people with underlying health conditions, to give them the best chance of survival. Then someone like me and you, uh, I like to think we're both young, healthy, fit young men. You know, we've got a very good chance of of, of getting over it without the need of vaccine but that's ultimately our decision if we want to take that chance and that's on us and nobody should tell me i'm selfish or you know i don't, I don't care about anybody else that i'm that i'm a dickhead because i'm gonna put i'm gonna end up in hospital let me make that decision i'm a grown man it's never happened before it doesn't happen with the flu vaccine no one asked me have oh, you had your flu vaccine this year no one asked me that question and to be honest no one has been, it's, it's a breach. Like if, if you were to go to work and unless you work in an industry like health, but if you were to say a, tr a tradesman or, Hey, have you had your, have you had your flu shot this year, mate? That's not, that's never happened. Can you imagine two bricklayers talking to each other? Mate, do you have your flu shot? I had my flu shot. That shit doesn't happen. Right. So yeah, I know. Right. That's one side of the argument. Now there's a lot of talk online um, about, you know, there was a lot of misinformation and people often bringing that up and saying, you know, no, because this says this and we shouldn't have to do it now. I want to clear a few of those with you. So I've got an immense amount of questions from that story. Like, I mean, well over probably two, 300 questions. So obviously I can't go through them all, but uh, one of the ones I see regularly is about um, the Nuremberg code, Nuremberg code, however you pronounce it. Now, to my understanding, it has no impact in the situation we're in at the moment. Could you elaborate on that a bit more? 
Well, this is the Nuremberg trials and whatnot. Look, this is a little bit beyond my area of expertise, but generally speaking, that's not really going to apply to us. I agree with that. I, I'm just going to do a really general rundown of that because I don't know enough and I can't, I'm not an expert in all this stuff. But the Nuremberg trials, Nuremberg code, we're not actually part of that here anyway. It's kind of, it's separate to us. It gives us, we can, it gives us indications mm. of how we can do things here. But running that is not necessarily going to work here. I mean, if you want to run a human rights argument, you know, I forgot what the court's called, but the international courts, that's fine. We're signatories to that, but that's different. And quite frankly, you're still going to get the argument that it's a pandemic. So it's dangerous, it's a dangerous situation, dangerous time. And that's why they've had to do it. Although I think we can probably win the vaccine, mandatory vaccine argument if we were to take it to, I just can't remember the court, man. So it slipped off the top of my head. Anyway. But the, uh, the human rights courts, like the international human rights court, just it's gone. But the Nuremberg trials, I'd have to, it, it doesn't necessarily apply here. It's a good background, good general, gives you a good general gist of things, but it's not, it's probably not my best area of expertise. So I can't really give too much more on that one. That's all right. It's, like, it's one of those things. I'm sure you say that a lot too. People sort of, you know, prop up and say, oh, well, you know, it goes against this. And I understand where they're coming from because on, like, if you read it, it does, it, it violates that. But as I said, whether that's applicable to us here in Australia and, and, and given that we're in a state of emergency, there's a pandemic, what does that have to do with, like, does that play a factor? So these are all things people need to take into account. Uh, mate, I wish they were right. I wish all these people that were saying this is, is right because we wouldn't be going through this. We wouldn't have a, a challenge in the Supreme Court at the moment because that would, you know, it'd save a lot of time and money. But unfortunately, um, it doesn't seem to be working. It doesn't seem like it's going to work. So, no, no, because that... look, the argument basically comes down to an experimentation, right? That you're experimenting on people and you shouldn't be allowed to experiment. But you got to look at the times where that occurred. That was post World War II, et cetera, et cetera. Now we're in a whole different time, and it's they're going to run an argument saying it's not the same thing. But look, you're spot on. Probably should move on. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, someone else has asked a good question: Is are we fucked? Straight to the point, direct. At the moment, I think we are a bit fucked, but hopefully that changes in the near future. Uh, oh, look, some <laughs> of us. Some of us, like I said, some of us, if you didn't want the vaccine, you're forced to already, I guess, in a sense, you're fucked. You're kind of been fucked <laughs> over and we're too yeah. slow. But I'm hoping we're not all as Australians fucked. That's, that's no. all I can say, that we actually no. succeed and move forward. Oh, mate, there's so many. Uh, I'm just trying to get a lot of them, as I said to you before, sort of asking the same questions in different ways. I'm just trying to get through these. Um, not on topic, but have you heard of, okay, that's... Uh, We'll speak about that another time. I think it's not really relevant to what we're discussing. Um, let's go through here. Um, here we go. Should people pay? Should we pay fines? I'm assuming they're talking about mask, you know, getting fined for not wearing a mask. Now, I think, uh, what's your issue? What's your opinion on that? If you've not done the wrong thing, for example, if you had had coffee, for example, in your hand or you have there's something along those when it comes to the mask no if you have an argument you shouldn't you should uh, you should take up you've got a reasonable excuse at that point so mm -hmm. no you shouldn't there are don't forget though there's always a circumstance you need to think about it this way we have what's called a plea of convenience in criminal law we call it what that means is even though you might be right do you want to take it to court and argue it and fight it all the way in certain circumstances you should in others, if it's a, just a fine, you're going to be like, look, 
I, if I have to fight this in court, that's going to be three days or four days that I can't work. At least one for the mention, one for the hearing, and there's probably going to be a brief served and brief applied. So let's say take three days. In those three days, I can probably earn over $1,000. So would, should I still fight it or should I not? That depends on your individual circumstance and the circumstance of your case. They might not be able to prove it. So yeah, in that case, you probably should fight it if it comes down to your like, you know, pride and what's the right thing. But your circumstance might still say, look, it's not worth fighting because of everything I have to go through. And there are many, many people like that. It, it's very hard to just give a blanket statement. However, there are some people that have said uh, that you should just, if you get fined for a certain thing, just take it to court no matter what and run it through the system because then the court at least knows. It's a form of protest. If you want to take that view, that's your call as well. But I can't sit here and say everyone should do it, but it's definitely a form of protest. If you have an argument that you can run and you feel you can run it, then why not? Then you can try it. That's your choice. Yeah. Now, I think, uh, look, again, I hate to talk on it again, but it's very important, man, because the last thing I want to see is, is people that, are, that you know, have good intentions and, you know, they think they're doing the right thing by, by protesting. I don't, don't, listen, people need to understand that there's other ways that you can, you know, start petitions online, um, and, and ask for certain things. You can even start, I think, um, parliamentary petitions, I believe, as well, on issues mm, that you yeah. deem, um, you know, appropriate and reasonable. But people need to stop going out on the streets and protesting. I'm really driving this home because many reasons, but the main one is the, people are getting in, they're getting charged. They're going to get cr probably criminal records. And that's going to affect them in five years' time. It might even affect them immediately with their employment. I'm, I'm tr really trying to get the message across that there is many other things you can do um, to be uh, sort of proactive in that space. Focusing on mental health is another big one. Um, and, and looking after, you know, your own and your fellow Australians' mental health. You can be productive at the moment and, and try and make it, uh, you know, a better situation than we're in at the moment. But, you know, from a legal point of view as well, it's really important to let people know do not go out in the streets. Do not protest. Do not organise protests because you will get, you're getting shit. It's as simple as that. Just so people can understand where you're coming from, there's been, someone was just charged in Melbourne a couple of days ago with incitement. There's been people in New South Wales charged with similar offences for organising the protest. There's obviously, as I said before, people who have been charged further with further discretions from the protest. And I can tell you this, some of them I think are a bit extreme, but at the same time, it doesn't stop them from charging you, especially if they feel that they have a case, even if you succeed. So if you go to court, it's going to cost you money. You have to pay your solicitor unless you run it yourself. There's all those expenses as well. So it's not just the criminal implications, it's the financial that can come after that as well. And I know they're cracking down because I've received a few calls and there's been a few people that have been caught up with certain other people implicated and that's how they're cracking down on people when it comes to the protest it everyone needs to have a voice and as chris is saying there's a way to have a voice but if you're just purely looking at that standpoint when it comes to protest i can tell you spot on there's people being charged in fact there's people who were charged to one video that i saw of someone about there talking about the constitutional rights and freedom of speech and all this type of stuff which it's fair enough, but no police officer is going to actually listen to that. They're going to say, okay, here's your 10 or here's your charge. See you in court, run that one in court. So do you really want to put yourself through that before yeah. this happens? And this is what I've said. I get 
people's frustrations. I'm frustrated. And I... I think we all are. Know, mate, even, even, I mean, I'm sure the police themselves are frustrated when they get off duty and they go home. They're under the same conditions we are. So I'm sure some of them are probably frustrated as well. I don't think anybody enjoys it unless you're a fucking psychopath who enjoys having control and power, which <laughs> there may be a few people... Um, people like that right now. People yeah. like that right now. But the average person doesn't enjoy it. And man, look, I've, I've had... I've been pulled over for, you know, um, compliance checks when I've been out on the road, when I was at work, for example, what are you doing? Where are you coming from? And listen, man, I've seen videos online of people going, look, what are you doing? Stop fucking harassing me. And they've got their phone up to the cops, you know, fuck off, you know, whatever they're carrying on. And they wonder why they get treated like shit. Like the, the, the officers that I've dealt with, they're doing a job. They've, they've been, they've treated me with respect. I've treated them with respect back. It's just like any other um, you know, communication you have with somebody. If you treat somebody with respect, you get respect back. Um, look, there's good police. There's also, there's police with egos. That's across all industries. It's going to be good and bad. But, the, you know, they're doing their job. Most of them are doing their job and they don't want to find people. They don't want to, you know, put anyone under any more financial pressure than we're under at the moment. So it's important to try. Like, as, as a society, I really feel like we're cracking and we need to stay strong and we need to stay united together just to prevent this shit going downhill any more than it already is. Look, it's, I guess there's always, as you said, there's always both sides to it. There's a the good, the bad. Yeah. You could probably say third and bring good, the bad and the ugly, right? Yeah. I've seen both sides, whether it's through my job or even personally, I've seen both sides, good and bad. So I get what happens when the police don't act correctly as well. But you're right. In the end, you're better off dealing with it with respect trying to get your way out of it just get it get it done move on i totally understand that a police are not using their past correctly i've seen that again and i don't like that but at the same time if you just go in targeting them straight off the bat they're probably going to have a go back at you or it makes their job harder and even if they don't the whole situation is going to one it's just going to become excessive at that point but to the people that are genuinely being impacted by I'm going to say the overuse of force, that's a bit different in your situation. But look, I think the general rule here is be respectful to everyone and people should be respectful to you. Mate, that's, um, yeah, look, that's the way we're going to really get through this. Like ultimately, um, that's how we're going to get through it because, you know, if you go against the system and, and you go against the powers, you're fighting a huge power. It's not like you're fighting, you know, your next door neighbor in a civil court. You're fighting the government. Like they've got unlimited resources. They don't care if they spend the next 10 years in court over a matter. That doesn't bother them. Whereas us, we, the average person can't afford to go to court, period, and, and, and hire legal representation, um, let alone for prolonged periods of time over, over stupid shit that really could have been avoided. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing if you get treated differently. Like if, if an officer is rude to you and he's untreating you fairly, then absolutely just stand up and say, listen, mate, you're not, you know, why are you treating me like this? I've done nothing wrong. Why, why are you doing this? Because that's going to happen. Uh, but for the, for the average person who's just going about their business, they're stopped or whatever it may be, um, just, you know, be reasonable. I watched a video that you, you posted a while ago saying it's illegal to tell the police to fuck off. Mate, I was, that was a good one. I was, I was watching that and look, as I said, as you said, it's not illegal to tell them to fuck off, but you probably shouldn't because it's not going to lead to any place good. They're, they're, not, going say, they're not going to say, they're not going to say, yeah, okay, no worries, bye. They're not going to, they're not going to react that way. 
So no. yeah, you can do things and say things that may not be illegal, but you probably shouldn't do it. Oh, look, I think that's a very good way to characterize it actually. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. There's a, there's a <laughs> stark difference in that. Mate, I'm, oh, yeah, look, we've, we've, we've all been pulled over and, you know, five Ks over the limit and, and been put through the ringer for it by high patrol, mate. Uh, mate, you'd love to say, listen, get fucked, fuck off, leave me alone and just drive off. You can't. Otherwise, they're going to go around your car. They're going to look at your tires, make sure that they've got tread on them. They're going to try and defect. Like, that, you, you see it happen, right? So just be... That's actually a very good point. Yep. Yeah, but it's similar. So I think the real message of this, mate, is to just do what we can do and, and make it, hopefully, it doesn't go on long. Hopefully... Uh, was it AFL, the AFL, ALF solicitors? Is that the one? No, no, so AFL have the high court case. Oh, so AFL, that was right. Okay, AFL. so AFL, yeah. okay. Hopefully that goes well for us. I think a lot of the issues are surrounding the mandatory vaccination. That's the bulk of the issues. Um, I think if, if hopefully we're su- uh, successful in that and that can sort of have a flow-on effect with a few other changes, uh, because mate, look, a lot of us haven't seen our families in months, and it's getting yeah, it's getting really tough. Look, on that note, what I sure we should bring up, should have brought it up before. So, AFL solicitors are doing the Supreme Court case, constitutional case. As I said, that's going to take time, and I there was no injunction today. So, at this current moment, the mandates are exactly the same. If you live in an LGA of concern, some people you basically have to have a dose by next Monday at least. We're at Bunga Legal, we're running an NCAT review on the same power. So at least we can, we call it discriminatory. In my opinion, it's discrimination against people who live in these 12 LGAs, full stop. It doesn't matter what you do for work or if you're not working, you can't leave it without a dose of the vaccine. So we're running an NCAT review and that's what I meant on division four. So we're looking to get a bit of money for that as well to finalize our case so we can start it. We're looking to start it next week and get it in. We've already started doing the groundwork and finding plaintiffs and there's a number of people who we have. We can always, we're always happy to hear from more, but we're trying to do something concurrently that is in the short term and gets a result now. Because unfortunately, I think AFL's case is going to take some time. And like I said, even if it succeeds, it's going to be, it's going to go to the high court. So who knows when they're going to get on a month, three weeks, two months. We're not really sure. So that's what we're looking at doing. I just want to put that out. And I know other lawyers are doing similar things too. So kudos to all the solicitors doing it. Yeah, mate. It's, look, that's our best chance. If we, let's be honest, you know, no, no individual, exactly. um, unless you're someone like a Clive Palmer, um, can make you know much of a difference. Now, yeah. I, look, I, I encourage. It's not my money; it's his money. But he spends a lot of money on advertising and and you know, uh, promoting his party, mate. I encourage anybody like that who really is standing up and, and advocating for our rights to do what they can, whether it's financially or just, or just putting their voice out there and let their voices be heard. You know, getting on your platform, making videos, talking to other people, um, you know, or if you are, if you do have the ability to fund or help at least, you know, donate to a law firm who is doing something positive about that, mate, that's, that's definitely worthwhile doing. No, I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on. We'd all, we all like that golden goose, as they say, or that golden egg who manages, if one person pays for it, we can just keep going. But if we can't find that, we have to crowdfund and we're Come using on, my calls and other people's. Come on, Clive. Yeah, put some money behind it. Come on, mate. Mate, I, it's, <laughs> mate let's get another interesting uh, interesting question. I don't know whether this falls mm. under, it might fall under workplace law. I'm not sure. So someone's asked, I'm assuming they haven't had their vaccine and they're asking if their employer can legally deny them access to the workplace. 
they would okay it kind of comes down to what the mandate is that impacts them so if they're someone that industry hasn't been mandated to get the vaccine like the mandate hasn't rolled out for them and their employers taken i guess they're going to call it the initiative or proactively said you need to get the vaccine it is their they are your employer it's their property effectively so they can issue you a warning or stand you down at least they're allowed to do that but they do need to give you due cause they can't just do it for the sake of it and you would have a fair work claim or like depending on what happens if they dismiss you or what they do you would have certain claims against them but we need a lot more detail to answer it but in short if it was the other way around and they're from an LGA of concern because there's a mandate the employer will say it's a mandate stopping you you can't like don't don't touch us so employment law is going to be weaker there but if there's no mandate you're from one of the LGAs that's not concerned and you're from an industry that's not concerned and your employer said, no, you need to be vaccinated otherwise you're not entering, that's a bit different. There would be some action that can be taken and they would need to prove the steps they're taking are reasonable as the SBC case kind of worked out to be. So it'd be a similar scenario there. Okay. Now, uh, another question is if you, so just say the mandate is, let's just say today, just say you've got to have your vaccine by today, right? or you can no longer uh, be offered employment. Let's just say you're a disability support worker or let's yeah. just say disability support worker. So not, not a government organization, private company. If you were to show up to your place of employment, can your employer, can they sack you? Do they like, do they suspend you? How does it work? So if you refuse to get, say, oh, I don't want to do it. I haven't got a medical exemption, but I'm not comfortable doing it. Can they terminate your employment or is it more of a stand down? How does that work? They, they would basically tell, tell you not to come to work anymore. They'd probably force you to tell you, say you need to take leave to consider it, which is, as long as the steps they take are reasonable, they can get away with it. That's basically how it works. So they would argue in that case, it's reasonable because effectively you're a frontline worker and you should have been vaccinated and you haven't given them an exemption. And then they're going to basically say you're, you're putting or you're putting these people at risk because they're vulnerable. And that's why we need to stand you down straight away. That's what they're going to do. Then after that, that's when you take it on in fair work, depending, again, sorry, in that, actually, in that case, there's a mandate. So it's a little bit different. This is kind of why we need to hit the mandate and get rid of that to yeah. make it to make it illegal or invalid as opposed to the other way around. Because, yes, they can. And the case law at the moment basically says if you're in one of those industries, there's four tiers that the ombudsman effectively has given. And if you're in tier one or tier two, then they basically can do it, yes, because you're according to the ombudsman and these employers are putting these people at risk. So that's why it needs to happen. And again, why we need these mandates to just be cut off at the head, because that's what's ruining us at the moment. The employers can get away with it because it's not our fault. It's the government and the mandates. Yeah. Okay. So your employer can effectively terminate your employment if you're in that sort of tier one or two. Basically. Yes, that's correct. So they will send you probably, they'll probably tell you to think about it or take, leave first and then they'll do it if they terminate you straight away without giving you an opportunity that could be ruled to be unfair dismissal they do need to speak to you about it hold a couple of meetings it's not just straight off the bat however there are circumstances depending on what happens because again it depends on the specifics where they possibly could but generally speaking they need to at least discuss it with you they can stop you coming into work though yes because they'll say you're this is a date you're you're a negative you're so you're a risk to everyone here including the so more so the patients that you have and the people you're caring for. And that's what they'd say, don't come in. Then you'd go back to the other stuff. You'd probably be forced to take leave. 
or they'll make you take leave and then you'll think about it and then they'll issue a warning, potentially two. Yeah, okay. Now, I'll probably leave it. We've been gone for a while. So I'll probably leave it on this point. If you want to add anything afterwards, that's fine. But people are saying that in order to wear a mask, um, you have to be issued personally by a judge or magistrate, whoever it may be, a biosecurity, I can't think of the word, uh, on the individual. So for you to have to, you know, if you're, wear, if you're not wearing a mask, the police can't find you because you need to have personally received a biosecurity, whatever the, the name that they referred to. I'm yeah, sure you know yeah, what I'm talking about. I've seen that. So you need a written direction addressed yes. to you in order to do it. Look, someone run that argument and prove it. I'd love to see it done. And I've people saying all mask fines are thrown out. That's not the case. Not all mask fines are thrown out. I don't have an issue with that argument being run. As far as I can see, I think that mandate's invalid. I don't like the mandate, but it's there. And at yeah. the moment, no one's run it. I, they're going to say a direction's been given to everyone to Section 7. A couple of lawyers have come out and said, and one of the human rights lawyers, he did a very good article on this, actually, saying that some of these mandates are illegal because there's no written direction. I think there's merit in the argument. There's definitely merit in the argument. But you'd still need to take that up and you'd need to argue it. So the mandate is still there. It's not going away. And I'm happy for people to do it. But the other issue you have if you don't wear a mask is you get discriminated against. So yeah. you're basically being a brave person for not wearing a mask in the first place because no store is going to let you in. And again, I'm not supporting the mask mandate. I hate it, but that's what happens. So forget that. There's that side of it as well. I want someone to run the argument and I hope someone does. And if someone already has, reach out to me and let me know how it went or reach out to you and you know how it went. But so far, I don't think it's succeeded. Not that I know of, not in my experience. Yeah, okay. But anything you want to add uh, before we jump off? Look, I'm just going to say the 6th of September is next Monday. It's coming up very, very shortly. People are freaking out. I actually have a lot of emails and phone calls to go through and, and make today. And that's what I'm going to be doing. If I don't get you to, to you today, I'm probably going to do some tomorrow and over the weekend. Uh, I, I, I will be working on the weekend to get some of this stuff done. We're going to continue our NCAT proceeding unless we were hoping that there was some kind of injunction, but there isn't. So people who are impacted from next Monday are worrying. If I haven't got back to you yet, it's just because I've got to go through, a play. I've got about 50 or 60 emails and then Instagram messages and calls that I got to make as well. So we're definitely working on it. We're pushing the NCAT site to get a result now. So we do need money for that too. I wasn't pushing it. I was waiting to see what happened with AFL lawyers, but look, we can't keep waiting because unfortunately people it's next Monday. So what do you do from next Monday? That's why we're pushing it and we're going to try it. I might be able to say, hold on a few days so we can get the decision that we can get it into NCAT straight away. But we really need to work over this weekend and get it started. So that's where we're pushing people. And hopefully, as you said, man, AFL win. And that's good for every state ever. But I also know there's people in other states who want to do similar things. I'm happy to speak to lawyers in other states as well who want to run a similar thing. And I really, really wish all the best to the lawyers that are running certain cases that are up now because your success is success for everybody. There shouldn't be any ego in this. It's not about me. It's not about any particular law firm. It's about everyone, everyone, because there's discrimination going on. There's coercion going on. In fact, there's probably mass coercion at a big level. Get the vaccine or you're not going to have a job. You can't feed your kids. I'm not okay with that. And I think these are tough times. And for anyone who's doing it tough, look, I really feel for you. I really feel for you. And I've taken calls from people who just want to talk as well because I said, I'm going to do what I can do. And I'm going to keep trying to do what I can do. And Chris's podcast is just, just amazing. There's so many people who have said, who've reached out to me and said, your podcast is great. 
they're hearing a voice of a genuine real person on the ground who sees what's going on not just someone sitting at the top and talking about shit like we're not talking it's not a high level commentator it's someone that's actually come up from the ground so it's people like you that actually make a difference man and look everyone if you're doing it tough we're going to try and get through this we need to get through this together there shouldn't be any room for discrimination anywhere and i just hope we get through this shortly and very very soon that's it for me very well said i couldn't agree more samir thank you very much brother it's been great talking to you welcome on any time you know that mate any any questions for samir what i'll do is i'll i'll be releasing this episode as a priority so um, i'll put some links up to his page so if you have any questions i'm sure he's happy to help as much as he can obviously he's a busy guy but he's also a a fair compassionate individual which is um you know getting harder and harder to come by so i'll put some links up as well so people can jump in there and have a chat to you and ask you some questions but mate thank you very much Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Appreciate the time and I'll see you again soon.